You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 30th of June. Brian Windhorst sends jazz fans into a freakout about what he said. What did he really say and how concerned should we be? The Marcus Morris trade by the Clippers, an innocuous trade deadline deal. But let's look back at it. It tells us on roster building, injuries, depth, poor Giannis. We'll touch on that as we continue. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Today's show is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join our Locked On hosts in their Locked On rooms in Spotify Green Room. We expect to be on YouTube maybe as early as tomorrow. Um, if you subscribe to Locked On Live, we're transitioning that channel over to Locked On Jazz on YouTube. So if you want to go subscribe... That would be great. We'll do this show every day as both a YouTube broadcast as well as a uh, podcast. It won't change the podcast at all. It means we'll probably go live and have more interaction uh, than we have in the past. We'll probably, if we're gonna, if I'm gonna record it and I look silly, on, I might as well go live almost every time. So we'll be doing the live broadcast much more. Um, I got to make sure that's true, and I understand how we're doing this. Um, so this is all part of the Locked On expansion, that all of our shows will be on YouTube. So Locked On Jazz will be on YouTube here very, very shortly, maybe as soon as tomorrow. Okay, so my Twitter feed, my email feed, General Jazz Talk, is all freaking out because of what Brian Windhorst had to say about... Wayne Wade being concerned about Donovan Mitchell's long-term staying in Utah. I, I pretty much just quote it, but just so we can hear the extent of the 13 seconds of a hour-long podcast that has everyone freaking out. Here it is. Dwayne Wade, who he's brought in to be a co-owner, but also be an advisor I think Dwayne Wade is seriously concerned about Donovan Mitchell's desire to stay there long-term. So that was the quote. The conversation was much more about all of what's taking place in the front office and the changes and Justin Zanuck and that. This was just kind of slid into the conversation without kind of, he then he moves on very quickly. He comes back to it. It's kind of rambling. There's like, I could try to pull the whole thing, but um, and he mentions, you know, the game one Memphis medical thing. Okay, that's like pretty clear, right? Like that was a fiasco that didn't go as we wanted. It wasn't great. I, I don't, like, I don't, like that's there, right? That that happened. We know that. The, let, let's address this quote. I mean, it sounds so dramatic. But okay, first part is like Dwayne Wade... The key thing on the Dwayne Wade ownership with the Utah Jazz, he, he later kind of does this thing that I almost thought was demeaning. I don't think he means it because Windhorse has a good relationship with um, Wade. And the interesting one is I don't know Brian very well. Everyone says he's like the nicest guy in the world. He and I have a disconnect on how we report on things. 
So there's a little of that in this, I'll be totally honest. Um, I bet I would love him if I knew him in person. I mean, I've met him a bunch of times. I don't know him well. Everyone says he's the best. Um, guy, I, I wish he would talk about a game every now and then instead of just like, you know, these kind of flamboyant stories, but they, they're what move the meter. And that's what that show is. That podcast is never about a game, never about the, it's always about the drama. Um, so first thing is there was a demeaning part of that where I thought he's like, you know, Wade got an undervalued, didn't pay full price. We don't, he doesn't actually know that he doesn't actually know what percentage Wade got, but also Dwayne Wade in a sense brings more to the ownership than simply just whatever percentage of dollars he puts in the same way that the incredible um, venture capitalists out of Excel in Sweeney uh, in San Francisco brings more to Ryan than just his ownership piece. Like, and frankly, anytime you're buying an ownership piece, that's under 50%. You're kind of on like the, the 51% is what matters. That gives you deciding decision-making that's more valuable than the others. So there was like a kind of semi-demeaning piece in that where he like kind of says, well, you know, I'm sure Wade got a discounted value because he just saw what the Lakers were. Well, we actually don't know that. And frankly, Wade brings incredible cachet, insight, expertise, unique perspective, change how Utah's. So if Dwayne Wade like got 2% ownership and 1% for who he is and 1% money, like that seems fair to me. That's not undervalued. That's what he brings to the table. So I think that's important. The second thing I think that's really important here is like Ryan Smith said to Dwayne Wade, like you get it all. You get the good, the bad, the ugly of being an NBA owner. You're in. Like if you're joining this group, I'm not doing this as some token piece to have you out there as posting on Instagram with your kids' pictures so that we brand, we're branding. I want you a part of this. I want you get the employees, you get the players, you get the arena, you get like you get it all. So Wade is intimately involved because he's super bright. He's got incredible background. He's got great cachet. He understands the game. He's been around it. He's been around the most impressive people, the best coaches, the best front offices, and he's super, super bright. And so therefore he gets to have this role in the organization. So the idea that Wade is concerned about Donovan Mitchell staying long-term with the Utah Jazz. Is that actually newsworthy at all? Unless you're going to tell me that like something has happened. Now, hey, the the game one Memphis thing was not good. So maybe that's what happened. But I would think Portland should have actually maybe been more seriously concerned about Damian Lillard and his interest in ever leaving Portland over the last three years than they were. And Oklahoma City was seriously concerned the entire time about Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and one stayed and one went. Like that's, this is a little bit of the reality of the world. Like it actually to me would be negligent if the Utah Jazz were not seriously concerned about Donovan Mitchell's interest in staying in Utah for the long term. We're we're not, he's got a four-year deal. We're not quite on the clock. We're on the clock. Like that's the reality of where this league is right now. I actually find this kind of completely non-newsworthy other than you put two really big freaking names and pissed in the sentence, right? So you put Dwayne Wade and you put Donovan Mitchell in the sentence and now you got a bunch of freaking blowhards putting their YouTube videos up across Donovan Mitchell wants out of Utah. Beep off. 
Like, that's not what was said in any way, shape, or form. So there's two levels of this. One is the people who I now, like, search it on the internet and see it aggregated as Donovan Mitchell wants out of Utah. That's not what was said at all, nor do we know that. Do we know that Donovan Mitchell was pissed after game one against Memphis? Yep, we do. Because you know why? Donovan Mitchell did a press conference and said he was pissed. Like, that's like, don't turn this into a bigger story. He went out and said it. It's there. It's clear. Part two of this is the fact that, like, we can now put Dwayne Wade's name in a story, which makes it bigger. Like, the Utah Jazz should be seriously concerned whether or not Donovan Mitchell wants to stay in Utah long-term. That's actually true. They should, it's every decision that this organization makes should have that in mind. The same thing about Rudy Gobert, frankly. And the same way that Milwaukee spent the last four years making every decision based on being seriously concerned whether Giannis Adetokounmpo was going to stay in Milwaukee. The same way the San Antonio Spurs made every decision for an extended period of time to make sure that Tim Duncan wanted to stay in San Antonio. I find this completely non-newsworthy. So, I think like, I'm not saying that Windor shouldn't have said it. Maybe I think that everyone is like so insecure that, you know, and maybe in retrospect, we should have been more concerned about Gordon Hayward leaving. Right? Like maybe it wasn't that smart to like play around with him on his first contract and annoy him. We didn't do, we did the exact opposite with Donovan. A bunch of people, we can't have it both ways. A bunch of people criticized the Jazz for like just giving Donovan Everything in that in that contract offer, no options, no this, no protection, the extra year. Like, we got criticized for that. Well, that's a little bit of running your franchise. Like, we're just not going to do something that puts a scar out there that could come back to bite us because we're extremely concerned about Donovan Mitchell's interest in staying with Utah Jazz for the long term because he's amazing. Because he's a one in a hundred talent of the greatest talents of the world. He's amazing. We're good because we have him, and if we lose him, we're less good, and so therefore we're extremely concerned about making sure that Donovan Mitchell wants to stay in Europe. And it has not been a bumpy-less road here recently. Between fan behavior and the Game 1 medical thing and two playoff losses when leading series, it's not been drama-less. Or bumpy list. So we need to make sure that our communication, <clears throat> our understanding of what he wants is at a peak. You know what? Our chances of keeping Donovan Mitchell are way better because Dwayne Wade's in the ownership. So really, the sentence could have been Dwayne Wade brought in by Ryan Smith as an advisor and co-owner, which is a weird thing because co-owner means co, which means equal, which he's actually not. So that's a weird sentence. So that's not actually. So as a owner, part owner, and heavily involved in day-to-day, who's in the same agency as Donovan and shares shares agent, you know, in the same with CAA, is all part of the Jazz being extremely concerned about Donovan Mitchell staying long-term and trying to make it more appealing. Like, like that, like, so anyway, 
So I wouldn't freak out about it. I think this is the reality of what we live in. We've got some scars because, you know, Gordon Hayward left. He's frankly the only one we've ever had that we wanted to keep that left. We, so it's happened to us once. Um, and that scar is real. I get it. Um, at the same time, you know, I think that you, um, you know, I, I don't think this was newsworthy, I guess. And I'm not, you know, it sounds like I'm criticizing Wendy. I'm probably not. Um, I'm criticizing all the people that aggregated on YouTube and including ESPN and turned it into a headline that Donovan Mitchell wants out of Utah. That's bull crap. That's just, just non-journalistic. Like the fact that you actually have any ounce of journalism and you do that is just, you should be mortally embarrassed today. Um, but I do think like there should be like in Justin Zanuck's office, there should like be a big sign. Like, you know, instead of what would Jesus do? What would Donovan want? WWDW. Like, you know, or like, let, and I don't want Donovan making decisions. It never works well when you have your players making decisions, but like, let's keep an eye on it. How does Mike Conley re-signing impact Donovan? And Donovan's on a four-year deal. We have a two-year window, frankly. Let's do, like, let's not kid ourselves. We've got a two-year window in this day and age. And the players, it's great. I think it's wonderful, by the way. The players actually have power. It's fabulous. I think it's the best thing about the league right now. Like, why should players be beholden to stay in a city that they don't want to be in? No one should have to do that. So we better make it appealing and good for Donovan over the next two years. That's probably the number one most important thing we have to do as a franchise. You know why? Because I'm extremely concerned of whether he wants to stay. And I would want us to be extremely, like as though that's a big word. You know why I want that? Because I want it to be the utmost, most important thing in our franchise. The same way, as I said, it was extremely, extremely exceptional. Like, what does extremely mean? Do I need to get into that? Like, do we have to actually understand it? Like, immensely, tremendously, very. Like, the most singularly, hugely important thing for us. So that's my that's my thought on that. Um, does that make sense? You with me? We good? Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Intercap Lending. That friend would be Steve Carter. I mean, Steve's amazing. It, it happened again the other day. Got the email. Could you set me up? Sure. Linked over to Steve Carter. Steve Carter within maybe like four minutes has responded. He's, I don't know, like if the guy just lives with his email, like attached to him at all times, like his response time is amazing. Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer um, over at Intercap Landing. Intercap Landing is a hyper uh, local focused or mortgage um, with lending company. They, they do amazing work. Jonathan um, was our latest connection to him. Um, Steve is our personal loan officer. He's done my loans. He's done our COO's loans. He's done a ton of locked on loans. And he just does amazing work. And if you just grab, like Lance said, everyone wants the best rates, but doesn't always come with great service. Steven and the Intercap team always were in contact with updates and next step. Great experience. I highly recommend Steve Carter at Intercap. 
Steve was very personable, helpful. He always responded quickly to our questions. He was great about keeping us up to date on our status of our loans. We highly recommend him. That was from Katie Christensen. Uh, let's go to Mark Robinson. Steve did a fantastic job in this crazy market. He is easy to work with, deliver as expected. Steve also finds solutions to make things work in our favor. Steve is great to work with. Steve will make it happen for you. I recommend Steve anytime. The reason Intercap Lending is growing as fast as they are is because of the fact that Intercap Lending gets deals done. And that's really what you want in this marketplace. That's what agents want. It's why they go to Intercap because they get their deals done. They're a direct issue or hyper-responsive. They embrace change and give you a great borrower experience. Call Steve, 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending, NM. NMLS number 190465 or email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and I'll set you up with Steve directly. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Spotify Green Room. It formerly Lock Room, now owned by Spotify and known as the Spotify Green Room, is a chance for you to talk sports with all sorts of great locked on hosts in MLB, NHL, as well as NBA, the biggest stories going on. And there's live Spotify green rooms taking place for you to hold the conversation. It's the perfect place to start to join the conversation about the league. You'll find fans just like you in the green room or watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news and rumors. You can go react to Brian Winhorst's comments exactly like they want it to be. Green Room is the perfect place to start and join a conversation. So, download the Green Room app now. It's currently available on iOS devices as well as Android. Actually, I got mine on Android. Be sure to create a profile link your Twitter and join the NFL, MLB, and NHL conversations. You have a ton of incredible rooms. Download the Green Room app today. Green Room changing the way we talk about sports. All right, I think we've covered that one fairly well. Um, obviously, the Giannis injury is heartbreaking, um, and and we'll touch on that a little bit more. It's just crushing. Like, it's so bad for the league. The fact that Kawhi and Giannis could both miss next year, depending on the news, um, we haven't heard anything on Giannis, would just be, like, so bad. Um, you know, let me touch on that for a second, and then I, I don't actually – think that this has to do a great deal with the truncated season and the thing. I think it has to do with the burden we're asking about our players. We have these incredible athletes that are flying around everywhere with amazing explosion, overwhelming, um, overwhelming kind of power and strength. And if you watch an old school game, guys weren't rotating defensively or making these kind of plays or doing the things in the amount of closeouts that we're asking out of our guys. And, just think it's leading to torque and injury and maybe it's fatigue and you're just a step slower and so your body is just so finely tuned and you're off by step. That might be it. That's where the fatigue might be the case. Um, and playing every other day in the playoffs or playing this truncated schedule. I, I, you know, the NBA claims that there isn't an increase in schedule. There's certainly an increase in, or injury, increase in injuries. There's certainly an increase in injuries in our best players. And it's bad. Um, I'm not... I would like to see some more data that shows me what's been going on over the recent years and minutes played and burden and injury rates for players over certain minutes and things of that nature, because I do think we're just asking a huge amount out of, um, out of our players. And so, um, I think that's the concerning thing. It does, you know, it mean it, it does yield to making load management make some sense. If you can find that data for me. Um, it does mean 
that maybe you have to like build your regular season roster. We've talked a lot how the Jazz paid the most for six through eight in the league, and I actually kind of am buying into that, that those are the positions that matter. Um, but maybe you do need to build your roster nine through 12 deeper because you're gonna, they're going to play more minutes and, and you're going to play them more in the regular season to, to, to lessen this load on the players so that they just don't have the accumulation that they have right now. I think that's probably a pretty legitimate um, discussion in there. So, you know, I don't have an answer on what's right here. I'm a little like the easy answer. I never take the easy answer. The easy answer is, Oh, we're just playing too many games in too short a period of time. And so therefore we have, eh, I'm not totally certain that I buy that to be the truth. Um, And so I think that, it's more an evolution of how we're playing the game, what we're asking of our players, particularly defense rotations. Go watch an old game. Like, Mailman never had to do that. You, Stockton had to do a lot of things, but, like, we're never defensive rotating the way we are right now. And we're never scrambling the way we're scrambling right now. And our possessions are way up. You know, I, one of the first things I ever did was a high school math project about NBA analytics. It's probably the first analytic project I ever did. The Warriors were having a rash of injuries under Don Nelson, and they were playing... 10 more possessions than everyone else in the league, if I remember correctly. I'd have to go back and look at when this was. And I did this whole math analysis of that over an 82 games, every eight to 10 games, they were playing an extra game. And so their injuries were, in my opinion, at least, and it maybe not have been Don Nelson, because yeah, if it was 88, 89, it might have been George Carl, because I graduated high school in 88, and I feel like this is a high school project I did. So, you know, maybe it was a college, maybe it was something in college because Don Nelson is 90, 91. So, you know, my, you know, I'm old, my memory is probably not quite right, but nonetheless, you know, something of that sort where you're suddenly looking at this and, um, you know, they, they were, these were these really, really good warrior teams and they would have these injuries and everyone wanted to know why. And my whole belief was they were playing 107 possessions a game and the rest of the league um, this was 88, 89. So this might've been high school. Um, I'm old. Um, so they played like 107 possessions a night. They were playing seven or eight possessions faster than the rest of the league. And so if they're playing eight, you know, if every 10 games, they were playing an extra 80 or 90 possessions. So they were playing eight more games a year than the rest of the league. And then they were getting injuries. Like it seemed really reasonable to me that that's what was happening to this team was that they were getting hurt. And so we're suddenly playing, all these, you know, increased games compared to the rest. We're now up to 100 possessions. And the old, and like the mailman here was, it was 83 possessions. Well, that's, that's a big difference. Like there, that's, you know, that might be why. So um, I have to go look and see who the injuries were and what. And, you know, anyway, you got the point. Like, I think that's a part of this too, is that we've got, we're playing more possessions with more torque and more energy and more effort than we're asking out of our guys that we've ever asked before. And we're having injuries. Like it's bad. And it, I don't think the schedule or I'm not entirely, I mean, maybe, maybe if we're going to play, you know, if the pace of the league is up eight or nine possessions, which is about an eight or 9% increase, maybe we do need to reduce regular season games by eight or nine to get that workload back down. I don't know that that takes away the torque issue that you have, but what we like, it's not quite, crisis but it's close to the point where you have to stop and say wait a sec we're about to start we're on the verge right now if Kawhi turns out to be a full ACL which they just haven't announced and Giannis's worst case scenario we're suddenly with our two best players truly the two best players in the world Giannis Adekumbo and Kawhi Leonard will not play would not play next year okay that's really like 
It's a sample size of two, but it's enough that we probably have to take a look at it. All right. Um, Marcus Morris trade, I think, is super, super interesting, and I want to delve into it. So we're going to do that um, next. So the point of that, by the way, in regards to roster building is, you know, if if your medical team has done this analysis and made this analysis, then maybe you have to decide to um, start playing 10, 11, 12, 13 in your roster, even if they're not good, just for load management and trying to keep things down, which you know, changes the quality of the game. I do think we're loaded with talent in this league. I actually think this league could totally expand right now with the amount of talent we have. So um, it can go, it could go either way on that um, of whether it actually would hurt the game that much. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. There's no need to go in to a brick and mortar store and pay their exorbitant prices and deal with someone looking at computers because you know what? You have a computer and you have access to rockauto.com at home. So you actually don't have to leave and you can get the part for sometimes 30, 50% off, even 100% less. Well, not 100%. Yeah, half the price. You pay 100% more by just literally going online. So don't spend 30 or 50 or 100% more by going to, Instead, go to Rock Auto, family business, serving do-it-yourself customers for over 20 years. Reliably low for every customer. Same if you're a do-it-yourselfer or if you're a professional. And brakes, tail lamps, motor oil, I mean, even carpet. Like, it's all there. Old school, easy to navigate site. Go check it out at rockauto.com. And when you're checking out, make sure you write locked on in the how'd you hear about us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's Rock Auto. Dot com. Pretty interesting to see what betonline.ag says today about the NBA with the Giannis. I wonder if they've taken everything off the board. Um, they do have the international games, by the way. Croatia plays Brazil tonight. That's their six-and-a-half-point favorite. Serbia is a 31-point favorite over the Philippines. Canada, with a pretty loaded team, is a 23-point favorite over China. Um, so those are there. It looks to me as though they have, let's see, they may have taken a bunch of stuff off the board. Suns are now the favorite. They have not taken off the board, but they have changed. The Suns are now minus 150 to win the title. Wow, Phoenix is going to win the title. That one's going to be hard for us to swallow, isn't it? Bucks plus 350. Hawks plus 600. Clippers plus 625. That's according to betonline.ag. Um, that the series now the the Bucks are still minus one thirty to win their series. Suns are minus five hundred to win their series. The Suns are going to win the title. BetOnline.ag promo code locked on gets you a fifty percent welcome bonus. That's a fifty percent welcome bonus at BetOnline.ag. Um, I want to give a little shout out, just a little fun one. The women's state AM is going on right now. And 14-year-old eighth grader Aiden Long is in the final eight group. Her sister Berlin, who's going to be a senior at Lone Peak, is also, so pretty cool for that family, who I do know well, so this is a little self-serving, um, to have two of the final eight kids. But I think it's pretty amazing. 14-year-old eighth grader, um... And she actually today has to face, uh, in match play, Tess Blair, who's kind of a local golfing legend who's over at Sac State and I think won Conference Player of the Year uh, for Sac State, won two uh, high school state championships while she was here in Utah. So she is kind of a legendary um, 
but I think she she won the Big Sky Championship. So the 14-year-old is going up against the Big Sky Champion today. So maybe that run will come to an end, but uh, would be kind of cool. All right. Anyway, um, I, I think this is one of the most interesting trades in the league. On February 6th, right before the trade line in 2020, the LA Clippers, who already were all in, everything about this trade, to in, in a lot of ways, what I would say is everything about this trade is goes against the Clippers and it's the right move. It's it's a really interesting this is why I think it's interesting. So let me let me give the thesis statement before we dig into it. The Clippers had no leverage. They overpaid. They got they got no leverage on the backside on the contract negotiation. So in a sense, everything was wrong about this trade for them for a leverage standpoint. And I think it was brilliant. It turned out great. So as part of a three team trade on the trade deadline, the Knicks, the Clippers made a trade and the Clippers traded Mo Harkless who is not a bad player for them, a 2020 first-round pick, which turned out actually to be the Jazz pick eventually. So it's a, it turned out to be a late first-round pick, a 2021 first-round pick, a 2021 second-round pick. And I believe they traded Jerome Robinson to the Wizards, who was a former first-round pick who has really not, it was a 13th pick of the draft for them. He had not truly panned out yet, and he may not, and maybe they knew. So they end up trading the a former 13th pick of the draft, a first-round pick, a future for uh, another first-round pick, three first-round picks to get Marcus Morris, who's on the back end of his contract and is going to be a free agent within like a month or three. Kind of crazy. Like, they gave up the world for Marcus Morris. So that for, there's a few things. One, it tells us how overvalued first-round picks are. So uh, let's just isolate the pieces because I kind of like, so Jerome Robinson was the 13th pick. The Clippers, they missed. They missed. Uh, or at least, in their they made the decision. After 75 games, he was shooting 37% from the field and 30% from three. And, like, they could have really held on to him and been like, this is a signature pick of who we are. It's a 13th pick of the draft. They quit on their 13th pick of the draft, 75 games into his career. So I kind of admire this because there's no value in having a sunken cost where you hold on to someone who you suddenly have seen firsthand and realize might not be able to play. But that's a big like, wow. They then give up a first round pick in, that turns out actually to be Udoka Azabuke for us. And if you kind of if you walk through the whole pick, the Jazz we traded with the Knicks on shortly thereafter in a future thing, and it moves around and becomes and it becomes the Jazz pick. But you know, so they gave up the opportunity to take a 27th pick of an NBA draft, and then this year they traded their 2021 first round pick, which will be another late first round pick. So three seemingly first round picks, which are talked about like they're gold. And Mo Harkless, who was not a bad player, like Mo Harkless for the Clippers that year, was playing 23 minutes a night, shooting 37% from three and 51% from the field. Like, it did not, like, he's, they gave up the world. And they acquired Marcus Morris at the trade deadline, and he has been the single most important roster piece for their versatility, for everything else of who they are. They He's, he's brought toughness. He 
has played out of his head for them. He's played his 76 games for them. He shot 44% from three. He's never, except for like right earlier that year in New York where he shot 44%, it was fair to think that that was an outlier. He was like a 36% three-point shooter beforehand. He was the Knicks' go-to guy at 20 points a game. Um, the year before he'd been in Boston and averaged 14 points a game for two playoff runs and had shot 37%. Like they clearly saw a available player who they believed in, who they thought was going to be, could really do something great for them. And they went and got him for a huge price. And then they're screwed because, because they traded for him on February 6th. And they give up three first-round picks for him. He's a free agent at the end of the year. They had no leverage, so they end up signing to a four-year, $60 million contract, which we're going to find out if that turns out to be a good deal or not. That's a lot for him. He was making $5 million before that. So, and, and they're already in the luxury tax. It, if I isolate this deal, on, in, in it's, it's a terrible deal. You, got a, you gave up three first-round picks, for a guy you get for two months and then you have no contract, you have no leverage in the contract negotiation, you basically have to resign him at 31 years old when he's coming off a career year. Like everything about it is wrong. And it's been everything that may has made the Clippers the best team in the NBA this year and Kawhi not gotten hurt. They probably win the title. And they might still, frankly, if they win tonight. To me, it's a really fascinating deal about there's a point in this process as you're building a roster that one, you have to bite the bullet and trade someone like Mo Harkless, who's pretty good, to get just that next notch better. Like Marcus Morris better than Mo Harkless, but doesn't not doesn't seem like by a huge amount. Not three round first round draft picks and a massive contract amount, but for the Clippers and where they were, like that's the incremental difference that they had to have. And a guy who's got like had off court issues. Like this is a wild gamble. And this is this is the this is the kind of move that like at the trade deadline there's something to be said for like finding that guy and like making that that kind of high leverage wrong side of everything but it actually is the piece that your roster needs so his value to you is much higher than what it actually is in the market and you overpay to get that deal done the other one that's really interesting about it, when we talk about the overpay, Mo Harkless and three first-round picks, right? You know what the Knicks are going to get out of this? Nothing. Like, that's the other thing that's really fascinating to me on this deal. Like, for all my comments about overpay, like, when it really gets down to it, the Knicks, the, the Clippers gave up nothing. It feels like a lot, right, as I talk about it, but they, they got something better than Mo Harkless. The first-round pick... We'll see what Adoka Azabuke becomes or what any of those picks in that range. Look at the five picks on that range. So they gave, they, gave, they gave up a rotation player. They gave up Jerome Robinson, who, can't, who doesn't seem to be able to play regular rotation in the NBA. And they gave up a late first-round draft pick this year. And a second round. They might have given up at best. At best. They gave up two rotational players for the piece of their puzzle that is the most important piece of their puzzle. And yet it sounds like they gave up a lot. So there's kind of three lessons in here. If the piece is out there that is a slight difference for you that incrementally changes your go get it. 
The second piece of that puzzle is, while it seems like a lot, some of this draft pick and all this stuff that everyone makes a big deal about Sam Presti and David Griffin and them getting all these picks, eh, let's see. And, and three, like on the back end of the contract end of things, that's always where you don't want to be. You lose all the leverage. I guess if you're the Clippers and you know you can re-sign them or if you know you're willing to overpay, then go do the deal. It's just kind of an interest. To me, it's a fascinating deal in the league. All right, thanks for your time today. It's Locked on Jazz, hopefully up on YouTube for you tomorrow, hopefully live tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, right now, tell your smart device to listen to the most recent episode of podcast Locked on Today.